Welcome sports fans to the hottest sports podcast in the game, JT and the Don, with your hosts, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. They're covering the most current issues in sports from the 305 to the 412 and all the way to the West Coast. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JT and the Don or email them at JT and the Don at gmail.com. Now take it away, guys. Welcome to the next episode of JT and the Don. I am the Don, Donato Bucci. And remember to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever other platform you find all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember, again, that's JT and the Don All Sports Podcast. And please remember to leave us a five-star review. Thank you again to Nicole Thompson for the great introduction for us and to Mike Regina for the amazing intro music and you know JT on the last episode I've got to give to the fans and listeners out there JT credit for his NFL storylines from last week he did say to look out for the Jaguars and the Jets game the Jaguars playing the Vikings the Jets playing the Raiders he said that could possibly determine who gets the number one overall pick Even though the status quo stays the same, Jets are still technically number one in the draft order, but really close games that could have affected both franchises going forward. So let me welcome in everyone's favorite, Jimmy Thompson, JT. How are you feeling today? I feel validated that you started off with giving me a compliment, so I'll take that. But no, it's good. Uh, We got 21 days left, I think, in 2020. Years going by fast. And fantasy football playoffs start this week. So exciting times for some, maybe not for some others. Hey, I'm in one, at least one, well, only one fantasy playoff. So I'm I'm happy right now. I'm happy going into this week. And I got something to play for. So I'm extremely happy. You know, the way I would look at that is – you're bound to lose a lot in the playoffs then. Yeah, that's how I feel. If I don't win at least two, I feel like the season was a failure. But what we got to talk about today, go ahead. Well, one team that could possibly think this 2020 season's been a failure, the Philadelphia Eagles, JT. So we start a second episode in a row with the Philadelphia Eagles. They lost this past Sunday at Green Bay 30-16. to But the big news coming out of that game was Jalen Hurts replacing Carson Wentz. Not an injury replacement either. So taking it even one step further now, Jalen Hurts has been named the starter for this Sunday's game against the Saints. So JT, first question here, does this help or hurt the Eagles' playoff chances? I mean, it can't hurt, no pun intended, but (laughs) – they can't be any worse I, than this. I literally have the same thing written down. Not sure that it hurts. No, nah, I mean, it can't be any worse than they've looked under Wentz. It was a sinking ship with him. And I think this is something that the team was ready for, especially the players, because they went to uh, Doug Peterson and the, the leaders had a players only discussion with him about accountability. And they basically forced this move. Uh, I guess you can look at it from this way let's look at the negatives and let's look at the positives. Negatives. They have the same bad offensive line they've had all year, which has caused wins to struggle, and they have the same suspect weapons on offense that we discussed. Also, the Saints aren't exactly the best team to have your debut as a rookie quarterback against. It's a pretty good defense. 
Now, positives are Hurts as an athletic quarterback, and he's playing now at a time where teams have zero NFL tape on him with, what, three weeks remaining, three games remaining. So they could be in the playoffs if they could, if they find a way to string together some wins. And by the time they, you know, get into the playoffs, it'll already be too late before teams have caught on. So this might be the perfect time to insert Wentz and nobody knows what to expect. And that could be a good thing for the Eagles. You mean to insert Hurts? Huh? Not, to, yeah. to insert Jalen Hurts. Not, yeah, to insert Jalen Hurts. Not, not Wentz. Yeah. Yeah, I, I literally, everything you said, I had those exact same reasons. So there's really not much for me to add except maybe. So don't add it. Well, I, I do want to say you talk about playoff chances. He maybe adds a spark, as you saw in the Green Bay game. But at the end of the day, like you said, they're playing the Saints. So maybe he gives them a little bit of a spark whatever that means in the NFL, but is he going to help them get into the playoffs? I don't think their playoff chances percentage wise has increased because now Hertz is the starting been named the starting quarterback. I honestly think they should have started him against the Packers because I think that would have been a much better defense for him to have his first game against. But I will think, I do think the thing that makes him a better fit to get them to the playoffs potentially is He's not going to hold the ball and take as many sacks as Carson Wentz did. He'll look, look, is this guy open? Is that guy open? No, I'm out. So sometimes, you know, you you see how it is when defenses play a mobile quarterback. It's, you know, it's much different. But there's a difference where if Lamar Jackson's improvising and breaking the pocket compared to a Jalen Hurts. I mean, or between Kyler Murray and Jackson to Hurts, there's a difference. Murray and Lamar Jackson are in a class of their own. Jalen I mean, Hurts is not. We'll so see what happens. I mean, he does run, what, a 4-5, so he, it's not exactly like he's the slowest guy on the field. Basically, to sum it up, I think that spark will eventually fade, and it doesn't give him a better chance because he's, he's the starting quarterback. Um, because, again, all the things you mentioned, and I don't blame Wentz alone. So let's focus on Wentz here now. Is this officially the end of the Carson Wentz era with the Eagles? Now, this is funny because we just talked about this on the last show and we were like, are they going to move on from Carson Wentz? We're like, no, nah, they paid him. He's a franchise quarterback. It's just a bad situation this year. I, man, what a difference a week makes because I got to go with yes for three reasons. One, he got benched for a rookie while in – like, they're in a playoff hunt, and they're also in the hunt to still win the division. So, like, you bench the franchise quarterback who you paid all this money to for the rookie. So that's already a bad sign. That shows that the guys up top don't have faith in you anymore, GM and the coach. Also, like I said, the players called basically for Wentz to be benched in that players-only meeting. And it goes back to what I was saying before for, I feel like, two years now. This just proves that the players don't like Wentz and they, they don't believe in him anymore. So it's like, we don't believe in you. We haven't liked you. Let's get him off the field. You're not helping us win games. And then I think it's the end of Wentz for this last reason, because if the Eagles don't make the playoffs, it's likely that either Doug Peterson or Howie Roseman, they're going to be fired or they both could be fired. And Wentz is their guy. And you know how it goes. New regimes come in. They don't have attachment to any of the previous players. So if they think Wentz is not the guy, they're probably going to try to ship him out. 
I disagree. There's in terms of going into next year, he's he's going to be 99% sure he'll be on the roster and, and there's two reasons why. His four-year 100 what's the NFL all about? Money, JT. Sometimes teams and players put that above winning, all right? And that's nothing earth-shattering. But his extension, that four-year $128 million, you know how many years into the exten- extension he is? No more than two. <laughs> He's in none. It hasn't kicked in yet. It's an extension. It hasn't kicked in yet. So – He's he's not even to his extension. So well, what are you going to do? Somebody traded to get the rest of Nick Foles' crappy contract. Well, so and I'm going to get there. But first, Wentz has well, way more potential than. Well, than hold than on, let, let me get there. Let me get there. So next year, I think he's on the roster. They can't just cut him. It would be a fifty-nine point two million dollar dead cap charge if they cut him. I think it'll be a trade. Okay, now let's go to the trade aspect. Who is what team is willing to give up any high draft picks for him? Probably none. So this is the thing. You got to go look back to the Brock Osweiler trade. He signed that huge deal with the Texans. What did the Texans do when they realized we made a huge mistake? We got to get rid of the contract. Do you remember I what think they, they did? They traded him to Cleveland and they basically agreed to pay half of like his salary. Even something even better for Cleveland. Houston sent a second round pick with Brock so that Cleveland would take Brock and the contract. Yeah. So that means Philly would have to give up a premium pick and Wentz in order to get his contract off the books in a trade. Because think about it. If you're another team, you know, hey, they've got Jalen Hurts. Why in the world would I pay a premium for Wentz? Would you help them out to get rid of a problem they have internally? Exactly. And there's not even going to start him. So his value's already been decreased. Well, I will, I will say this, and then, then we'll move on to the next one. Your scenario is 100% correct, but here's the difference between that and Brock Osweiler. We knew Brock Osweiler was garbage. Like, there was no team that he was going to go to where it was going to be like, ah, oh, just a change of scenery. He was just going to become yeah. a better player. Whence, I believe that can happen. And I and please believe there are GMs and teams out there that was like, you know what? send them to our team and we can fix them. So yeah, it's going to be tough to trade him, but I think there's going to be more people that are willing to make a trade for him just because he's young and he has so much upside. But see, there's a limit because of his cap number four years, 128. No, I agree. It's not, you have to find not only a team that has that cap room, but then a team that needs a quarterback with that cap room. So maybe a new England, if they move on from Cam Newton, maybe Detroit. If they move on from Matthew Stafford, that is true. But again, the Jets, if they don't, if for some reason they don't get Trevor Lawrence, they got plenty of cap space. The Patriots have plenty of cap space. The Jaguars have plenty of cap space. You know, there's 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 places out there where where they can do it. Now, is it you know a high probability? No, but I'm just looking at what's going on right now, and nothing that's happened in Philadelphia has been you know as according to plan. So you're saying yes, it's over. I'm gonna say no because the other reason is. Jalen Hurts needs to play well. If he comes in and struggles, he's Wentz is not gone after the season. So that means he's coming back in a QB competition, probably wins the job next training camp with a full training camp. And guess what? He's their QB in 2021 and still their QB of the future. So it is not the end for Carson Wentz and Phil. All right. We'll see what happens. But let's stay in the NFL. So 
we you brought it up before about uh, my comments about the Jets and the Jags basically battling for who's going to have the number one pick in 2021 draft. So the Jets didn't want to win their first game of the year as they called an all-out cover zero blitz. Get this. They were up 28 to 24 with only 13 seconds left and the Raiders facing a third and 10 from the Jets 46. So our friend defensive coordinator Greg Williams was was fired as defensive coordinator of the Jets after that play did not work. So, Don, do you think the Jets coaching staff purposely threw the game at the end? And should Greg Williams have been fired by making that ridiculous pl- uh, play call at the end of the game? No, I can't believe it was it was thrown. I, I can't fathom in the NFL, which was once coined by Jerry Glanville as standing for not for long, that a staff, a coach, a defensive coordinator, where there's already been rumors of, of them being fired, would purposely throw a game and throw it in a fashion, JT, that just makes them look bad, like really bad, like they just it, – it makes them look bad. And the other thing is Greg Williams is too competitive to just allow things to happen by throwing games. So definitely not in that. I think the firing was a knee-jerk reaction, to be honest. Like, why not let him coach the rest of the year? Because you're letting Adam Gase do that, right? And Adam Gase has the final say as the head coach with play situations. And and it was – he's saying that he heard cover zero, but by the time he looked up at the field, the play was going on. Like, I don't buy that for a second. And what about some player accountability too? Like Lamar Jackson, the rookie cornerback, not the quarterback of Baltimore, but the cornerback of the Jets. Like, yes, he's a rookie, but you know not to fall for the double move with 15 seconds and they have no timeouts. Well, what Why are you, are you supposed not? to do? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's No it's one Henry gets Ruggs, behind the, you. The no Henry, one gets it's Henry behind Ruggs, you. the fastest guy in the league probably. You know this is for the it, game. They're going to Hail Mary. Just get back there and wait exactly. for him to go. Thank you. Exactly. And we always say, JT, well, if your team's out of the race, play the young guys, see what they have. And that's what he did. He wanted to see what his corners were were made out of, and they fell for it. Now, I'm not saying Greg Williams isn't at fault either here either, but it was a knee-jerk reaction with the firing. I do think I'll, – I'll go to the firing part first. I do think it was a knee-jerk reaction. I think it was – this is the best we can give you without getting rid of the person who everyone really wants gone, which is Adam Gase. Because here's, I'm going to play off of my conspiracy theory last week that the Jets are doing everything possible to lose to make sure they get the number one overall pick. I think the reason they fired Greg Williams is because if they fire Adam Gase, who's going to be the interim head coach? It's going to be Greg Williams. They're going to be competitive and they might screw around and win the game. And I think... They know Adam Gase can't win if he tried. Like, he can't. So they know as long as that guy is in charge, we have a good bet to have the number one overall pick. Greg Williams can make you slide to number three just by, trying, like you said, trying to play hard. That's a good point because that happened in Cleveland at the end of um, – Exactly. At the, at the end of uh, Hugh Jackson's tenure. Exactly. I think that's why they fired him. Now, to the question of the Jets staff purposely through the game, part of me wants to say yes because i feel like they have to know the deal it's like but it's weird like i said it's you know you know that this team is tanking to rebuild this number one pick in this upcoming draft is really important but you also have to be self-aware to know 
you ain't going to be around next year to have any input in, you know, who, who is a part of that rebuild. So it goes back to what I said, are these coaches going to just call stuff just to be spiteful because they know they're out anyway. So that that's the only way I can explain it. Like it made no sense. Greg Williams was probably like, look, they don't want us to win the game anyway. Let me call this dumbass call at the end of the game that no defensive coordinator in high school would call in that situation. Fire me. Give me my walking paper so I can start the interview process early and get the hell up out of here. I wouldn't be surprised. It wouldn't surprise me if he did this because he couldn't wait to get fired from the Jets. All right. So let's let's stay in the NFL. Let's go to something that I I'm glad we're talking about because I think you might be low key pissed about it. So the Washington football team. Low key, became, make make no mistake. <laughs> I'm I'm mad about it, and you know it. All right, so there it goes. He's pissed about it. So the Washington football team became the first team this season to beat the Steelers. That was bound to happen. However, the game did have some controversy at the end of the first half, which may have helped Washington ultimately win. So the refs stopped the clock with eight seconds, which allowed Washington to line up for a field goal to make it 14 to three at halftime. And they had no timeouts, JT. They had no timeouts. Many former refs have stated that the refs erred in stopping the clock to get the K ball as Alex Smith ran off the field with the game ball. So, Don, I I have a feeling I know where you're going with this, but what are your thoughts on the situation? Well, I don't think Alex Smith purposely did it. And if he did, JT, smart, and, and he knew they would have to stop the clock, then he's just brilliant. That's a brilliant move. But again, I don't think he purposely did it. Now, the Steelers really, yeah, I was upset. Not about that play. I was more upset with just how the game ended up playing out in the second half. But the Steelers shouldn't use that as that situation at the end of the first half as an excuse, as they had a double-digit lead even going into the to the second half, fourteen to three, and they blew it. And you know, now the officials were wrong. I, I think it's hard to debate that. Yeah, and they, we, I think even the NFL came out and said that they blew this, and and people within like the ref community were like, "This is ridiculous." Right. And and so we question and criticize coaches and players, not only you and I, but the national media, fans, whoever, social media. So the refs, listen, this is a billion dollar industry. The refs can be criticized too. And sometimes they are blamed for games. Now, like I said, I don't think the Steelers should use that as an excuse, but they made a mistake, plain and simple. And I'm going to let you go, but I, I want to kind of have a, a potential rebuttal. I'm, I'm reserving my right for a potential rebuttal on what you may say, because I feel like you may bring up the Baltimore-Pittsburgh game, but go ahead. No, but I'll, I'll leave that one for you. But – we we know that refs aren't perfect. They make mistakes all the time. But here, just based on everything that I've read about this situation, people should really be pissed at the refs. And the reason is, is the, the rule in this situation is teams and refs know that if there is a last-second field goal attempt situation, the refs use the ball from the previous play. Correct. So it's, it's simple. Whether he runs off with it or not, you, you know that's the rule in that situation. And the fact that he ran off with the ball, that should be a delay of game on them, and it should be a runoff, which would have been a 10-second runoff. There was only eight seconds on the clock. It's the end of the half regardless. So I feel like the NFL refs, they stop the game all the time to fix stuff. Oh, you know, fix the, fix the yard to go, fix the markers, fix the clock, reset the play clock. You know, you stop the game all the time to make sure you get it right. This is something that's in your rule book. And – Washington clearly committed an error. It was it was an easy mistake to fix. 
but I don't I don't think this was the reason that you lost, but this was a big, big mistake on their part because imagine if the game was much closer at that point. Well, I was going to say, or if it was a playoff game. Yeah. Or or the playoff game at the end of a game and not just the first half. And to, I'm glad you brought that rule up because the other thing is, okay, even if Alex Smith runs off with it, you know, and this is these are NFL staffs, JT. This isn't just two guys they brought off from the bleachers to be like, hey, help with throwing the ball in. Like, this is NFL staff that should have had the K ball ready anyway. Mm-hmm. So I don't get it. And, and I want to go to, I thought you were going to bring up Baltimore Pittsburgh because one of our fans brought it up that potentially this is karma for what happened at the end of the first half with Baltimore Pittsburgh uh, what, last week, last Wednesday night, where the Steeler players seemed to take their time getting up after Baltimore ran at the goal line, had no timeouts. Two differences here. One, to- both teams mismanaged the clock, both Washington and Baltimore. If you know you have no timeouts, you got to play that in. Alex Smith took a sack, which is a no-no without any timeouts. And John Harbaugh tried to get cute and ran the ball with no timeouts at the goal line. And guess what happens? You have a big pile at the goal line. You think guys are going to get up real quick and get ready? No, it's a big pile. It's not just one guy sitting on top. It's three or four. How do you call delay a game there? That's it's what like happens. Anthony Lynn calling that run on the goal line exactly. against the Bills with no timeouts. Yeah, exactly. I don't get when I don't get when coaches do that. Exactly, and that's the risk you take without timeout. And then the other difference, though, JT is Baltimore ran a play after. It's not like they ran out of time and Pittsburgh just fell on the guy. They ran a play after, and instead of spiking, he tried to get cute again and throw a pass, and it was incomplete. So totally two different situations. That was not karma. Just to be clear. Yeah. Um, at least we got one thing out of this. The NFL is taking credit for blowing this because I don't understand how they didn't go back and review it. Like it's clearly in the rule book. This is not the first time it's happened to the Steelers in the NFL doesn't do anything about it. They screwed them with the, the difference in time. Oh, that's another thing. I don't want to go off on a tangent. He's Washington to. had nine days to get ready for this game. Pittsburgh coming off of 12. coming off a physical Baltimore game had four days of rest. Come on. That, Totally unfair. Yeah, that, they have t- terrible schedule management on the NFL's part again. Yeah, uh, Steelers. I, honestly, that Baltimore Wednesday game, it was sloppy, but it just looked like it hurt. Like it, yeah. it looked cold. What lost D- Bud Dupree from it? Yeah, it just yeah. it just looked like that game just just hurt people to play, and I, I wouldn't want to be in that one. Yeah. So sticking with football, but let's go to the college version of it. The Big Ten title game made news this week because the Ohio State-Michigan game was canceled uh, due to COVID issues with the Michigan team. So that was going to leave Ohio State with only five games played and technically not eligible for the Big Ten title against um, Big Ten title game against Northwestern based on the rules stipulated at the beginning of the year by the Big Ten. So Big Ten has reconsidered and lifted the six-game minimum, so now Ohio State will play Northwestern in the Big Ten title game. JT, did the Big Ten make the right move by lifting the six-game minimum? If we're talking about for safety reasons, yes, because this game against Michigan would have been a disaster because Michigan – Well, no, no, no. I'm talking about lifting the six-game minimum, allowing Ohio State into the title game. Was that the right move? I know. I'm getting there. Oh, okay. Not the cancellation. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. 
the Michigan, the, the thing with Michigan would have been a bad idea from the COVID standpoint anyway, because they're down almost 45 players. So that's bad. But I think for a selfish reason, I think the Big Ten did make the right move because essentially what they're doing is saying, we're going to get straight to the point. Ohio State is our best chance to win a national championship and represent us in the college football playoff. Get them to play Northwestern right now. We know they'll crush them. And they think that the committee will be fine letting Ohio State in with six wins. And that's it, a six-game season. That's it. So they cut down having to play the rest of the season. There's no more meaningful games. Just get Ohio State undefeated, get the season over with, and get them into the college football playoff. Easiest move for them. Yeah, I, I, I really want to say no because not a huge it's a selfish move, but it's the right one. <laughs> not a huge Big Ten fan. But yeah, looking at it in a vacuum as a as the Big Ten conference, they made the right move. It's a more exciting title game, and it gives the Big Ten a chance to make the college football playoffs. And now this is the thing though, JT, where the rubber kind of meets the road is going to be with the college football playoff committee. Do you let Ohio State in at six and zero? With really only good wins against Indiana and Northwestern, yeah, that's but it's really Ohio State. they they want them there. So that's if they if they're undefeated, it's like, well, hey, what do you want us to do? They don't have any losses. Well, not to get into it, but what happens if Florida beats Bama it. and Clemson beats Notre Dame? Then we gonna have to talk about that when that happens. All right, that's gonna be a good one. All right, so can we talk about Jim Harbaugh? Sure. All right, so Michigan's not playing Ohio State, so that's one thing that he don't have to worry about for the first time in his coaching career at Michigan. But uh, rumors are that Michigan has offered Jim Harbaugh a three-year incentive-laden contract extension. So if this is true, should Michigan fans want him to stay, or are they better off if he is relieved of his coaching duties? Listen, I I think Michigan fans – and we I do have like we're going to agree on this. We, we should have brought on, he may be upset with this. We should have brought on our oh, in-house yeah. Michigan Wolverine <laughs> expert. I can't believe um, we, we didn't get this topic down in time to look, man, if you're listening, to, just know who was responsible for making that decision. It was not me. Wasn't, wasn't me either. This was not my topic. So JT, that, that was on you. You brought the topic too late to the table, but who else are you going to get if you're Michigan? And let me go is through this. this. Is this Hold the on. Kurt Ferentz no, Iowa no, no. thing? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's a little different. But I think you should want him to stay. And I'm going to give you stats to back it up. Okay, yes, he couldn't beat Ohio State. Yes, he lost to Michigan State. But every really good coach goes through some losing early on. Jimmy Johnson, his knock was at Oklahoma State, could never beat Oklahoma. And guess what happened? Goes to Miami, wins title. Wins a title. Now, Jim Harbaugh, since 2015, JT, with Michigan, they are 49-22, and 29% winning percentage. In the Big Ten, the only teams better, Ohio State, of course, at 90, Wisconsin at 75, Iowa at 71, Penn State at 70. He's there with the big teams. None of those other Wisconsin, Iowa, Penn State, they, they can't get close to Ohio State either. It takes time, all right? He inherited a... a a program that wasn't that as good as we think. Yes, it has yeah, the name. Yeah, it wasn't as good as the fans thought it was. Exactly. Yes, it has the name, always will, but it wasn't as good, like you said, as the fans thought. Brady, uh, Brady Hoke, right? 31-20 and 20 in his four seasons right before Harbaugh. Harbaugh still has a better record. The three seasons before that, you know who the coach was? Oh, uh, was it Rich Rod? Rich Rod. You know his record in the three seasons, I don't even, JT? I don't even think Michigan wants that to be known. <laughs> 
Listen, you know his his record in the three seasons before Brady Hoke, 15 and 22. Oh, they were a disaster. And Harbaugh was really one yard away, which I thought was a terrible spot. Oh, that that for that that conversion where they didn't get it. I remember that year. Because I yeah. thought they got screwed too. Actually, I think it was Ohio State on fourth down. They yeah. they placed the ball, giving him the first, but he didn't get the get the marker. If he wins that game, meaning Jim Harbaugh. Oh, it's a it's a total they, like it changes the opinion of how you view his tenure at Michigan. That's exactly what I was going to say. Totally different opinion. And now I'll get to the Iowa kind of reference. Teams and fans always think there's someone else better out there, right? For example, Michigan at the time thought Rich Rod was the hottest thing going. Look what happened. It's not easy nowadays in college football. Ask Texas. Ask Miami. Yeah, ask you don't USC. want to end up with the Al Golden. That's exactly what you don't want to happen. Exactly. Ask USC. It's not the same landscape as it was 20, 30 years ago. Be patient. And this is my last examples, and I'll let you go, JT. Sorry. Jim Beheim. You know how long he was Syracuse coach before Carmelo came along? A long time. Tom Osborne. A long time before he got his two or three titles in the 90s. And another guy, even more recent, in college basketball, Jay Wright. He was there almost 20 years before winning, maybe even was there 20 years at Villanova before winning a title, and now he's got two. Yeah, I agree with you. And I'm glad you brought up Rich Rob because just a, a little warning to Michigan fans, we reference Al Golden. You don't want that to happen to your program because UM, we're still paying for that. And look how look how having the wrong coach come in could affect your program. Rich Rodriguez came to Michigan and everybody thought they were going to just basically do what West Virginia did. And guess what happened? Because Rich Rod went there, guess who was at Michigan and ended up leaving? And I think it really hurt their program for a while. Ryan Mallett, top quarterback, was already at Michigan, didn't fit Rich Rod's system, went to Arkansas, had a great college career. So having the right coach in place is a major, major, major thing. And sometimes you got to recognize when you got one already there. Now, as far as the Ohio State point, yeah, because if you put Ohio State in any of these conferences, there's a bunch of teams in the country that can't beat them. So it's not just a, oh, Jim Harbaugh can't beat Ohio State. 95% of college football teams can't beat Ohio State. They just happen to be in the Big Ten with them. Now, should the fans want him to stay? Yeah, and if I'm a fan of – if I'm a Wolverine fan, I want him to stay for one reason, one reason only. The guy can still recruit. And if you look at their recruiting classes – since he's been there, he's been there since, what, 2015? He has two top five classes and two top ten classes. He had one class that was ranked outside the top 15 recruiting-wise since he's been at Michigan. And guess what? They're number eight right now for 2021. So even though they're not winning the big games, he's losing to Ohio State every year. They lost. They already lost this year in embarrassing fashion. Like, the season doesn't even count. Bottom line is, whatever he's doing is working because kids still want to go to Michigan. and Good kids still want to go to Michigan. So you think your program's bad? Wait until he leaves and all those recruits don't come to Michigan anymore and it's based solely on your record. You know, I would love to see, though, JT, because you do bring up a good point about recruiting classes. I would love to see, though, what Brady Hoke and Rich Rodriguez recruiting class rankings were, though, because I feel like Michigan on its own is always going to get some stars. I do think Michigan recruits itself, but I think there's been a fundamental shift on how recruits get to schools from when Brady Hoke was the coach to Jim Harbaugh now. It's recruiting is so wide open, so I don't think if big schools aren't really that good, I don't think they funnel as, as many 
high end kids there as as they usually would. But um, yeah, I think he's out there really recruiting. I think that's part of the reason why they don't win is he spends so much on the recruiting trail trying to get these kids where he really needs to transition to like a Bobby Bowden role where you're the guy that's the face of the program. You go out and get the kids and you need those coordinators in house that are making sure that they got the X and O's on lock. Well, he always does a good job, no matter how bad they are, of keeping the program relevant and in the yes, news. He does. And not on a bad, not on the bad end. And as long as he doesn't lose to an Appalachian state type upset, he's probably okay. So let's go to some basketball, JT, the NBA. The LeBron and Kyrie saga continues, never end, even though they're not on the same team anymore. LeBron was on the road trip and podcast and told Richard Jefferson, how come we can't get LeBron on our podcast? He goes on all these other ones. I don't know. We have, you know what we have to do, JT? We got to get under his umbrella of his companies under his podcast umbrella. Oh, that's all. That's, hey, I'll just call Rich Paul tomorrow. Okay. Tomorrow. We'll take care of this. Okay. Yeah. Get on the line. Try to call him tonight, actually. And so he told Richard Jefferson that Kyrie Irving's comments that KD is the first clutch shooter he has played with that he would feel comfortable taking the last shot beside himself, meaning Kyrie himself, actually hurt LeBron a little. So first thing, JT, is Kyrie correct with his statement that KD is the first clutch shooter that Kyrie's played with? Look here, man. LeBron, if you listen in, the devil is in the details. He said clutch shooter. If if we're talking about a clutch shooter, absolutely it's KD. Just look at his playoff resume, especially with the Warriors. Look what he did to you. Clutch shooter. Same but is spot. he the first? Is he Yeah, the I think first? he is. I think he's the first clutch shooter. Really? It, okay. Like he's played with. I mean, what other more clutch moment is there than, you know, putting daggers in the NBA finals? So I think Kyrie meant what he said. It's a shooter. And uh, I mean, it's not even close. Who's a better shooter, KD or LeBron? But it's not that. He's also saying clutch shot at the end. He's willing to get – if KD takes it, he doesn't do, mind. Do, do he I basically think, made the inference that if LeBron was chucking it up there, he'd be well, upset because it should be in Kyrie's hands. Well, here's the thing. Do That's I think, what he's really saying. Do I think Kyrie is petty and would play semantics like this? Absolutely. Because if you called him on it, I think he would explain it the exact way I broke it down. I was talking about shooter, and nobody would ever argue that KD is not a better shooter than LeBron. But let's just go the way that you're saying that you think he underlying meant it. Is KD a better clutch finisher than LeBron? I'm going to say yes, because you forget LeBron has been vilified throughout his whole career. Of He does not. He shies away from the big moments at the end of games. He's always trying to pass the last shot to somebody else instead of taking it to the hole and winning the game from the free throw line. To be honest with you, I really hadn't heard of a LeBron clutch, you know, winning moment until he won that one playoff game against Orlando. And that's really kind of been the Achilles heel of his whole career. It's like LeBron is this great player. He'll pile up all these stats. But in that clutch of clutch moments, is he the guy that's going to have the ball in his hand and make the shot? And he, he hasn't been better than KD in that respect. All right. Well, Kyrie's wrong. And you're wrong, too. You're so wrong. That's unbelievable. You're telling me that on that Cavs team, Kyrie should not have felt comfortable because that's what it comes down to. He is saying that his clutch shot should be the shot should be in his hand and nobody else's. When you're they played me, together, Kevin Love, Cavs, he had Kevin who, Love who hit the clutch shot on that team. 
See, with the clutch miss- on that team, JT, you're missing what he what he said. You're, you're just getting lost in clutch shooter. He said more than that. He said KD's the first guy would feel comfortable taking a clutch shot instead of it being in my hands. He had Kevin Love and LeBron. Yes, even if you want to argue, which I'm not, that Kyrie's a better clutch shooter, it doesn't mean that Kevin Love and LeBron have not hit clutch shots. Or- but they not. It's a diff- It's a difference in hitting the clutch shot, you know, in January against the Timberwolves. Rather, this is okay. I'm glad you bring the that up. Championship, got- the championship against the Warriors. Okay, let me Go let stat, me- man. I know you got some stats. Good. Let me bring it up. While LeBron doesn't always make every shot in the last minute of games and playoffs, neither does MJ or or Kobe or Larry Bird. Go back and look at Larry Bird. He has missed game winning shots in the NBA Finals. All right. Now this is the other thing. Kyrie tried saying he wasn't throwing shade at LeBron. If he was, you know, if if he Hey Donato, Donato, can we can we can we do this? And I'm a, I'm a, I know you want to get to these stats and I'm just gonna shut this whole thing down. There's I'm, no I'm, I'm, I'm just wanna I just wanna I just wanna ask you this question and then we'll we'll move on to the next part of this question. Forget what Kyrie said, what he meant. We're gonna go with what we think. So I'm gonna give you four players. You tell me who you would rather have take the last shot in, in the clutch missing, moment. No, no, just JT, just, just, you're missing the comparison. If you want to say, do I take Kyrie or LeBron? That's fair. But if you're gonna say uh, LeBron, Larry Bird, so and so, so that's not what Kyrie is saying. You, you're you're giving a whole different no, question. No, no, that's not no, relevant. That's, no, no, no that's, that's, that's that's not what I'm saying. It's not relevant. But go ahead. You you got a chance to win twenty million dollars to win one game. You're at the end of the game. Game's on the line. It's got to go to one player. Who do you want in that moment? You want Kevin Durant or you want LeBron James? But that's not the question that that should be posed. The question posed should say, do you feel comfortable with Kyrie on the floor and LeBron if LeBron takes the last shot? That's that's what he's saying. What Kyrie is saying is if I'm on the court, when I was on the court, I was the only one I felt comfortable with was myself taking the shot. Now I feel like I can pass it to KD. He's not yeah. saying KD. He He's also saying KD's a better clutch shooter That's than That's what LeBron. I'm saying. But but he's also saying look, look, that look, look, I know you LeBron's don't want, not I know you don't want to offend LeBron because he might make it on our show one day, but he's basically saying, like, look, I don't trust LeBron in the clutch because I was the guy that hit the clutch shot the one time that we played in the finals. Exactly. And guess what? Okay. I know KD can do that because I've seen him do it, and I've seen him do it against LeBron. Okay, now that's a little bit better. So going on that, I'm going to tell you this. Statistically, they, they've looked at this statistically. LeBron was more clutch than Kobe. Everyone thinks Kobe has all these game winners. Statistically, in the last five minutes of games, last five minutes of games, LeBron is better. He's more clutch. We're not and talking then, about five then, minutes. We're then, talking about the last shot. Okay, let me go to the last shot. He didn't have to before 09 because the Cavs weren't good. He was the whole team. 09, game two, Eastern Conference Finals. You mentioned it. Game-winning shot against Orlando. 2015, game four, Eastern Conference Semifinals against the Bulls, against Jimmy Butler, game-winning shot. 2018, first-round game against the Pacers, game five, game-winning shot. 2018 again against the Raptors, Eastern Conference semifinals, game three, game winning shot. Just because he hasn't hit one in the finals doesn't mean he's not clutch. Like, that's ridiculous. Everyone just always wants to go back to his younger days. Guys are allowed to miss shot 
shots at the end. I'm not saying that. I, and I if know you're you want to stay on this topic. And if K- you're saying KD is a better clutch shooter than LeBron. Like that's I'm it. Gonna I, take, I don't have nothing else to say. I'm gonna take LeBron for the 20 million over KD. All right. And I'll send you a postcard from wherever vacation that place I buy a home at. That's fine. So other question is you can't win anything in fantasy. Jesus. Other other question is should LeBron feel a little hurt by the comment? No. If he's being real with himself, he shouldn't feel hurt. Because the answer that I'm about to give has nothing to do with who's actually the better shooter. It's more about his relationship with Kyrie. Like, do you really expect Kyrie to give LeBron any props? I feel like they've been like Kyrie has been like passive aggressively like feuding with LeBron ever since he left Cleveland. And let's not pretend like LeBron has a history of, except for Miami when he was with D Wade, but even there are some players, but LeBron has a history of ever since he won that championship in Miami, every place that he goes, the dudes on that squad know the deal. You win. It's because of LeBron. We don't win. It's because of everyone else. And I'm pretty sure when he came back to play with Kyrie, we know Kyrie wasn't the one that was like, hey, I want LeBron back. I'm pretty sure LeBron came back to Cleveland off his Miami winning championships high and was like, look, I'm the man. Y'all the team that wins 20 games a year. It's about me. And you know how Kyrie is. He's an alpha. And you have two alphas on that team. And Kyrie probably saw the day in and day out circus of LeBron probably not taking full accountability for, you know, struggles here or there. And everything that went wrong with the Cavs was on everyone else. So, no, if I was LeBron, I wouldn't feel hurt because I I would be honest with myself. And if somebody told me this is what they thought happened, I would have to be like, you know what? Part of that is probably true. And I can understand why Kyrie would have a little bit of resentment toward me. Listen, LeBron has has the right, and I think he should feel a little hurt because as a competitor, you want to be the best. And this guy's throwing shade your way. All right. And it would be nice if Kyrie, a former teammate, just even once. That's like, gave but, Le- but, but, hold on. Okay, you, you know, you're saying former teammate, but that's like, they more like the ex-wife teammate. It's like, all right, cool. We got divorced. I don't expect her to be like, you know okay, what? Let me if finish I accept wh- this speech, let me tell you about the best person I ever do. My ex-husband. Let, no. Let, let me finish why. All right. It'd be nice if he gave LeBron some props every once in a while or even just once. Right. It means more coming from teammates, former teammates, colleagues than it would just from the media fans and coaches. Right. So, JT, you never once after a show text me, look, yo, Donato, great job. You were on point here or there. Because you don't be on point. You text me all the other stuff and you never tell me good. See, you just did it now in front of everybody. my bad, my bad, my bad. So for everyone that's listening, so what he's saying is I have not been a good colleague. So what I'll do is I'll text you uh, I'll text you a, a good job, a participation trophy text after this. You episode. just said it yourself. Oh, you're never on point. See, even in the public eye, on air, recorded, you're still blaming me for things and, and saying I don't do a good job. This now, man is having this- a... a, a Listen, this is the thing. Kyrie was going nowhere without LeBron in Cleveland, all right? Now, true. Now, they both needed each other in Cleveland. There's no doubt. So, I've never seen LeBron take a dig at Kyrie. So, why is he don't doing have to? They so, they they operate in two totally different does, spheres. Okay, but why does Kyrie feel like he needs to? Because again, his only legacy 
is because of LeBron. And LeBron. But LeBron's and, LeBron's legacy has been enhanced by that performance that Kyrie Irving had in that in that finals day one. Absolutely. But you so, yeah, what? I agree. They need each other. But I'm I'm let me ask you a question. I think part of the reason too why Kyrie seems to want to give more props to Durant over um over LeBron is for two reasons. One, I think he didn't like LeBron to begin with because of their situation in Cleveland. And then he saw what he did to him in the finals as a warrior. And I think that was like, you know what? Good. But how much of this do you think that KD just loves being a beta? Like he's not really like an alpha. He's like basically come out and said that like he likes being a beta. And I think that's why him and Kyrie get along so well. So it's like, you know, people like this, like, the guy, the person who's the alpha, and there's that person who's never going to challenge their alpha status, and they're and they're cool being in that secondary role. Like the alpha is always going to like that type of person and be like, you know what? I notice all the good things that you do because you stay in your place. Rather than LeBron, they're on the same level and they're going to be butted heads. And it's more of this is my competition, and that could be like he's looking at him like he's a nemesis. And that's fine, but then it shows you don't respect and you didn't appreciate LeBron's game, which again, goes to your credibility that your credibility keeps going down, Kyrie, until you can win without LeBron. Well, the bottom line is Kyrie ain't winning no titles. So <laughs> I think he thought when he left Cleveland, he'd be winning some titles by now, and it right. just has not gone according to plan. Exactly. If I were him, I wouldn't be saying anything until I got me in the e- chip. Exactly. Thank you. And LeBron, by the way, don't admit that in public that that comment hurt. Yeah, don't, but he can because his legacy is cemented. I mean, yeah, but don't three, show. He's don't got show three rings that. with three don't. franchises. Like him and Kyrie ain't even on the same level. I know, but don't. So exactly, let that go off the but shoulder. You know, but why you know, even? You know, why even make you know Kyrie relevant? I I was gonna say that. Why make Kyrie relevant? Like, but you're you know right. It goes, it goes back to his insecurity. He's one of the greatest basketball players, if not the greatest. Yet he lets things like this bother him. Yeah, but but I mean. I'm going to give LeBron some credit in this respect. All superstars are sensitive. I mean, Jordan is just a sensitive. He's just an asshole with the way he deals with it. I don't know. KD, I would rather have him to clutch anyway. $20 million would be going to me. So we're sticking in the NBA. We're going to talk about something that you love, but also hate at the same time, load management. So uh, NBA starts later this month. The NBA has implemented a new policy regarding the dreaded load management. So teams will be fined at least a hundred grand if they are found to be resting healthy players for nationally televised games. We always talk about this. Tell me how much you love this policy. Ah, I, I love it. Listen, I wish this policy was in place because the load management has killed my fantasy teams, JT. No, Kawhi Leonard it, being lazy as hell has killed your Well, that's load team. management. That's load management. There's load management, and then there's Kawhi. <laughs> like, that's, they ain't the same. L- listen, I think those fines should go to all the different fantasy basketball leagues that have been created over the Man, past. Man, the NBA years. is not about to break you off like a fine, <laughs> like, all, like fine uh, leftovers. Just because you made a mistake of trust that Kawhi would play, you know, all games. So getting back to the policy, I mean, it's going to be a few number because nationally televised games only, right? And especially now with like a 72-game season, will there be as many televised games, but more so as much load management? I don't know. Plus, half the teams didn't play in a bubble. So, like, those guys are pretty rested, 
But let's face it, this is mainly about Kawhi, and the NBA doesn't want other teams with other superstars like a Giannis, like a KD, to take the approach the Clippers and the Raptors have with Kawhi. I think that's what it comes down to because NBA is concerned about COVID and a shorter offseason and no fans in the stands. So some superstars teams or and or teams may try to go this load management way because, again, oh, there's COVID out there. No fans in the stands. He can take a night off. LeBron, but, yeah, we just talked about uh, last week LeBron's legit talking about talking, taking out the first month of the well, season. Danny Green said that. Danny LeBron. Green said LeBron's talking Le- about that. LeBron did that. But the NBA doesn't want to lose that TV revenue, JT. That's what it comes down to. Because again, no fans in the stands, they've already lost. Well, shoot, the, if you don't that money revenue, and it's only make 70. The, make the NBA TV package cheaper. That shit is expensive. Maybe that too. But again, these are nationally televised games only. That's where yeah, they don't want to lose the money. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Not even gonna dispute it. It's a short turnaround on the season. Both sides get what they want out of this. Like you said, the NBA doesn't want stars sitting out on the big TV games, and players want more time off. Win-win. Easy. So let's go to the – let's stick with the NBA, but real quick, let's go to the Paul George contract extension that came down on Thursday, JT. Four years, $190 million to stay with the Clippers. It could end up being five years up to $226 million. He got the, the max contract. Was this the right move by the Clippers? Yeah, because, I mean, regardless of what we think, they bought Paul George to L.A. to win rings, and you damn sure not going to win them without him. So this is the going rate for superstars in the max. I think it's a good move. Um, got paid for sure. Uh, as long as Kawhi is healthy, I think this is a great move. And also, just based on what Paul George has said in the offseason, Having Doc Rivers not being the coach anymore, I think it's going to be a better fit for him because Paul George said that he wasn't being used in the right way by Doc Rivers. So I think management bought into that and said, okay, we believe what you're saying. Here's the money to prove it. Now go show us that you were right, that Doc Rivers was the wrong, was what was wrong with your game last year. Yeah, well, I mean, they, they just gave up way too much to for get Paul him. George. <laughs> To get him, what they give up? Five first round picks and the firstborn, <laughs> Shea Alexander Gilgis, right? Like they gave up way too much. They can't just let him walk because technically he could have walked at the end of the season without this extension. And you know, now. PG will walk. <laughs> and then what would happen is what's going to happen with Kawhi because technically he can walk He's at like, the end of the oh, season. Oh, Paul George not coming back. I'm sitting fifty percent of the games now. My <laughs> price just went up. Or he would have left. And supposedly they are close. They get along. And I think the Clippers are positioning themselves to say, hey, let's have a good year here. We've got him in place. Kawhi, hopefully it shows you our commitment to winning. We're going to give you the super max contract as well. And let's go beat the Lakers. And let's beat whoever else is on our way. So I think I don't like how much money they threw out. But the other good thing is, they have him for the rest of his prime, JT. That's yeah. the key. You're, you're locked into whatever he's going to become. Exactly. Like, whatever good years left he that he has, you they're, he's going to have them with you. So you're not paying a 38-year-old $40 million. I'm not going to lie. Him signing this deal, I'm kind of 
my hesitance to draft him in fantasy has lowered dramatically. It's because I don't think they would hand over this deal if they don't think that he could return to the player they thought he was going to become. So this makes me feel good about taking him in fantasy. Don't steal him. Hey, I can't guarantee that. Yeah, that means he's going to steal him. All right, so let's uh, go to everyone's favorite part of the show uh, where we preview the upcoming NFL weekend. So we're at week 14. Damn, this has gone by fast. Um, Week 14, uh, fantasy playoffs start this week. So if you're in them like we are, good luck. So we're going to look ahead to the schedule. Don, you know the deal. What are some games and storylines you're looking forward to? Well, two things. The one one storyline is this is like revenge game week, JT. First, it's gonna it started with the Thursday night game, Rams versus Patriots, the Super Bowl of just a couple years ago. So with McVay, Belichick, Goff, no Tom Brady, but still. Then the other revenge game, it's a Super Bowl from five or six years ago, but still pretty cool. Panthers Broncos, another former Super Bowl matchup, and then players against some former teams. Andy Dalton at the Bengals. Think about it. Cowboys, Bengals, they only play once every four years. Happens to be this year. Happens to be when Dalton is the starting quarterback. Jamal Adams, again, Jets, Seahawks, once every four years. That's we had it. This, we had the, he had this circle the did. moment he got traded. Yes. The only Jets, thing is Le'Veon Bell's not there to see him. <laughs> the Jets, that's true. The Jets come to Seattle. Jamal Adams' revenge game against Adam Gase and the Jets. Deshaun Watson against the Bears once every four years. Why is it a revenge game, JT? You're a they draft They didn't draft guy. him. They didn't draft him. They moved up to take Mitch Trubisky. Watch Mitch Trubisky ball out in this and, game because the Houston defense is so bad. <laughs> and Deshaun Watson fell to the Texans. And then the other, not so much a revenge game, but kind of a return home game, is Alex Smith going back to San Francisco. Back well, to the Bay. Te- well, technically, they're going to be playing, I believe, in Arizona. Arizona yeah. But he's playing against his former team. So good luck to Alex Smith on that. So that's the revenge part. The one game I'm looking at, listen, I'm going to only you know, pick I one. I know it is. Go ahead. I'm only going to pick one. It's the big game, Monday night football, Ravens at the Browns. This is the litmus test for the Cleveland Browns, JT. The Ravens need it for the playoffs. This is the old Browns versus the new Browns. So I guess, oh, in a way, revenge for the Red Cleveland game. fans. Revenge for the Cleveland fans. They can basically knock Baltimore out pretty much. We've been the redheaded stepchild. Now it's time to shine. There you go. So Ravens at Browns must see television. I will say this week 14 is probably, this is going to be the best week of the season. There's so many good games. And I feel it's weird. You didn't touch on any of the games that I have because you went the revenge route. But I did have Baltimore and Cleveland just because I think Lamar looks broken for some reason this year. He does not look the same. And Baker's on fire. So like you said, it's a role reversal. And we forget, like, Cleveland has been winning and they look good now, but they had, like, that stretch of, like, three or four weeks where they played in, like, crappy weather. So nobody really got to see, like, what they have become this year. So uh, I think that that is a really good game. But I'm surprised you did not go with uh, your Steelers and the Bills because I think Buffalo can slow them down. And I think this is... Washington was the game you should have won. I think this would have been your first loss of the season. But you guys are reeling right now. Defense is is coming down with a bunch of injuries. The receivers are dropping 80 passes a game. 
this is a very dangerous game. And I think this, if you guys lose this, this can expose you. Other game, um, Eagles against the Saints. Jalen Hurst, we talked about him. He's going to make his debut. Uh, also could be Taysom Hill's last game of the season as a starter. Uh, definitely think everyone's going to have their eyes to see how this game turns out. Sneaky game, the Packers at Detroit. I've had Detroit on this list before this year as sneaky games, but the Lions, we can't ignore it. They played better once Matt Patricia got fired. I don't think that the Packers are just going to roll into Detroit and just blow them out. I think this is going to be a competitive game, and I think this is a game that the Packers could actually lose. So I want to see how that that goes. Another game sticking in that division, the Bucks at the Vikings. <laughs> Two things I want to see what happens in this game. One, does Dalvin Cook finally die? Because they had been running him into the ground. And I feel like every game I see him, he leaves the field with some injury. And Tampa Bay is a good defense, and I want to see how he does. And I think Brady, this is going to be the game where we're like, ah, that's why everybody picked this team to go to the Super Bowl. I think he's going to torch the Vikings. So that game should have a lot of good plays and players in it. And then last game, surprise, you did not talk about Giants and the Cardinals. Giants have won four straight. And they just beat Seattle with Colt McCoy. And Kyler has not been the same since that shoulder injury. So I think people are going to finally start to pay attention. If the Giants win this game, that'll be five straight. And they're looking like they're going to be in the playoffs if they continue to do this. So that is a game I think a lot of people should be paying attention to. Yeah, listen, those are all great games. I went more of the storyline. No, no, I like the way you went with the revenge route. That's crazy how like all the stars align. And, of course, this would all happen in 2020. Exactly. Exactly. So some of the games you mentioned, we're going to have in weekend predictions. So let's go to it, JT. But let's start with college football. Not as many big matchups. But one kind of interesting one is Georgia at Missouri. Two ranked teams going at it. Who you got? They got Missouri. I do, too, actually. I do, too. Interesting. Next one. Kind of basically the biggest game on the college football schedule this weekend, UNC at Miami. We got to go Canes. This is this is the game we've been talking about since like week two. <laughs> yep. Since be- the beginning of the year, we thought that this could possibly pre-COVID. going to play Clemson. Well, pre-COVID, right? Because yeah. it wasn't going to be about Notre Dame. We thought that this would be the um, – The one game we had to take care of in order to get a shot. Right, the Coastal Division champ. Now it don't matter. I've got the Canes as well. We're going to see who has the better offensive coordinator. (laughs) We will see. You you brag about UNCs. I'm sticking with my guy, Rhett Lashley. Rhett, I believe in you. You can get it done. Let's go to the NFL. Chiefs at Dolphins. Your fins, JT, you going to go against them? Smoke and mirrors. Chiefs are going to destroy us. Oh, man, I got the Chiefs. As well, the spread, I believe, opened at seven and a half. Do you think the Chiefs cover or you think the Dolphins get in under seven? No, I think they cover. The Chiefs cover? Okay, wow. Expecting a blowout. I don't know. The Dolphins seem to be able to cover those sort of games through smoke and mirror special well, teams defense. Thing. If, if Tua is starting, I think all bets are off because you're going to force the Dolphins to do something that that team is not built to do, which is have Tua try to outdo Patrick Mahomes and come from behind. So I haven't seen him do it yet, but you said it could happen then. Okay. Steelers at Bills. You mentioned this game earlier. Bills. I think this is the wrong time for you to play this team. 
I'm going to go Steelers. I'm going to go Steelers. I just got this funny feeling that Sunday night, this is a revenge game from last year. Ravens, this will show, show you if Josh Allen is ready for the big time. Yep, this game and, will show you. And I think it's going to show you if the Devin Bush, the Spillane, and the Bud Dupree injuries catch Man, up. Man, who thought we have been talking about Spillane week 14 you, as being a major factor? You laugh, but... I don't laugh. Vince, I, know he's, I know he's important. And Vince Williams on Thursday was put on the COVID-restricted list, so who knows if he's going to be able to play Sunday. And then the game we both mentioned, the Monday night game, Ravens at Browns, who you got? I want to pick the Ravens just because they're they're one of my Super Bowl picks, and I they got to win this game. Well, even though I have the Browns in my earlier predictions going to the playoffs, I still think they will. But I'm going to go Ravens in this game. They've had the number of the Browns. Until I see different, I'm going to go with the Ravens. So, JT, before we go, do you have a shout-out? If you don't, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a quick shout-out. Um, but I also have another segment for you. So do you have any shout-outs? Nope, because I'm just so excited to go to this new segment. See, you don't do your prep work. That's why. My shout out last weekend to Rice, the Rice football team. They beat number one, or not number one, number 21 ranked at the time. Marshall shut them out 20 to zero. And JT, listen to this stat. That was Rice football's first win against a top 25 opponent since 1997. Oh, I could believe it. So shout out to Rice, to Rice football. I mean, even though it was Marshall, but whatever. (laughs) Hey, Marshall undefeated. A lot of of people thought that they were obviously good, ranked 21st in the country. Now, JT, let's go to everyone's, truly everyone's favorite segment, Surprise JT. First one. I got two. It's not new. I got. I didn't say new. I said to the next segment. I got two here. First one, the Golden State Warriors are going to pay a luxury tax, JT, of $147 million. That's on top of their salaries, okay? $147 million in luxury taxes, basically because they're well over the cap and um, they're repeat offenders. So if you were the owner... We know he has a lot of money, but if you were the owner, would you care or would you have a problem with that? Well, I mean, it's hindsight is 2020. I mean, they obviously went into luxury tax because they wanted to keep winning titles, but injuries happen. So I guess if I was, I knew what I was doing at the moment and I thought best case scenario, everything would play out in our favor. I can't be mad. These things happen. It's risk reward. And then the other one, Michael Jordan has a golf course. They are now going to start delivering alcohol and food via drones. So, JT, I know you're not a golf guy, but is that enough for you to want to start to golf? I mean, no. I mean, I, I, <laughs> here's the thing. If we got a cart and I don't have to carry the, the bag, yeah. I would well, go of out course. Get, I would get, I would get uh, shots from a drone. Okay, well, of course you'd have I mean, a golf I mean, cart. But and... I could just go to Top Golf. I don't have to go to Michael Jordan's like golf course to drink. There you go. You heard it. Top Golf better than Michael Jordan. So, JT, another great episode. Believe it or not, that is now episode seventy of JT and the Don. So, Damn, congratulations. Good job. I can't believe 
we've been doing it that long and, and we've actually you've put up with me for 70 episodes now mm-hmm, 75 so, ain't looking too good <laughs> to the fans and listeners out there thank you as always for listening to us and remember to please subscribe to us we can be found on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify stitcher and whatever platform you find all of your other favorite podcasts and remember if you like what we do please leave us a five-star review and jt if you don't like what we do leave us a five-star review also please follow us on social media our handle jt and the dawn we can be found on instagram twitter and facebook so jt until the next episode see ya peace